This is ESPN Radio. So, Canty, is this your idea to bring in Backstreet Boys at the top of the hour? I'm just wondering. Um, Shay, Shay, I can promise you it wasn't. I, I can promise you it wasn't. This is definitely not my speed. You don't strike me as this kind of Backstreet Boys kind of guy. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, I think we're going to have to put this one on the guys behind the glass, the board odds, Matt Lack. This is definitely not in rotation on Chris Candy, Chris Candy's playlist. Uh, I promise you that. I but, if it ain't on my playlist, it certainly is not on yours. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, this is ESPN Radio. That's Chris Canty. My name's Shay Cornette. Everyone, thanks for hanging out with us. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. All right, a lot of news, a lot of woge bombs being dropped throughout well, the day the because be said, though, the for- NBA trade deadline is approaching here in the next 48 hours or so. And so let's welcome in Mark J. Spears, the undefeated senior NBA writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark J. Spears to give us the very latest and break down what this all means across the NBA landscape. Uh, Mr. Spears, how are you? Thanks for being with us. I know you are very busy as well this time of year, but we know the big trade over the last couple hours or so has been CJ McCollum leaving Portland, right? Um, how does this impact Damian Lillard's future now on the West Coast? That's a really, really good question. <laughs> And, and the good thing about Dame, I, I wish I could just uh, patch him in phone-wise because if you want to know how he feels, he'll tell you, you know. And so uh, I'm, I'm sure he'd be more open-minded to looking to leave. And I, I've asked him in the past if he's uh, loyal to a fault. And he says he's not, but he wants to win in Portland. But the day's not over yet. The trade deadline hasn't hit yet, you know. So I, I do want to see if, you know, how would he feel if they got Jeremy Grant there, you know, which is something that's possible. Like, uh, I don't think Portland's done just yet. So it's almost incomplete to answer that question because I'm, I'm not sure what they totally have. And I know he likes Simons a lot. He's a really good player. But, man, CJ is his boy, man. That's his, that's his dog. That's his right-hand guy. And, and he's gone to New Orleans now. And that's what I wanted to ask you, Mark, because it doesn't necessarily feel like there's going to be that big free agent out there this summer that could potentially lead to the Portland Trailblazers being vaulted to the top of the Western Conference and contending for a title out there. So I wanted to ask you, how likely is it from your perspective that Damian Lillard is still with the Trailblazers going into the 2022-2023 season? Yeah, I mean... I mean, hey, Kyrie could potentially be a free agent, right? James Harden could potentially be a free agent. So how tied is he with stars that are free agents? How much will he try to on going there? And I know it's been a challenge for Dame in the past. Remember when he was, like, begging Melo to come to Portland? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't only when Melo was in a desperate situation that he ended up going to Portland. So... You know, there's that part as well. Um, here's the thing for Dame, man. You know, maybe I'm a little biased because I live in Oakland and I've known him. I interviewed him before he became game time, you know, before he came to the NBA. I've known him for a while. and I feel like in his best years, right, wasting his prime, um, there's no way to think, even if I think a Jeremy Grant goes there, that you feel like the Blazers suddenly a, a contender. And um, I, I don't know if I can speak for Blazers fans, but he, he's given their heart and soul for him. I, would it? I, I'd like to see him get an opportunity to really like fight for a chip. So 
perhaps this makes it easier. You got, you know, ownership is, has been, you know, unfortunately changed due to a passing. You got a new GM, you got a new coach. And I, and I know that he wanted to give Chauncey an opportunity, but even Chauncey's not controlling this roster. So to me, I don't know if it happened before the trade deadline, but if I'm I'm Dame, it's probably time, man, to try something new. That, that pains me. We're talking to Mark J. Spears right now, the undefeated senior NBA writer for us here at ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mark J. Spears. Canty and Shay here with you as well. All right, you mentioned James Harden, so let's go there next. I mean, so much speculation about is he going to stay in Brooklyn? Is he going to the Sixers? What do you think happens with James Harden? Does something happen before the trade deadline? You know, anytime a coach says that somebody's not going to be traded, I think that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> <who> that <is. laughs> like, uh, like, I don't. I, hey, man, I know Steve a long time. I love Steve, but, like, I didn't understand what, what was the purpose of saying that. You know what I mean? Um, you just never know what the deal is. And, and, like, I saw the Nets out here in San Francisco two weeks ago, and things just seemed to be really, really peculiar. With, with James Harden, a lot of whispers behind the scenes and, mm-hmm. you know, um, him not playing against that game against the Warriors. And, and in a lot of games re- recently, you know, I never like to question anybody's injury, but it's just, just really curious right now that he's sitting out these games. And um, here's the thing, whether he's hurt or not, or if you don't want to re-sign, like, you got to be worried. And he, you know, you can't lose him for nothing. And um, and then if you're if you're Philadelphia, how can you just be 100% confident that if you go into the offseason that you could do a sign-and-trade for him? Guys change their minds. Things happen. You know, anything could happen. What if, like I mentioned, Dame. What if Dame gets in his ear, man, come to Portland with me, or there's some other opportunity. Like, you can't just assume that, yeah, well, it's likely that he'd like to go to Philly. You never know how the landscape changes, and these dudes change their mind. So if I'm Philly, man, you got this cloud hanging over your head. You got a superstar in MB that, like, do you really expect him to carry the load the whole season and not break down? Like, is that fair to him? Um, get James Harden, man. Get it done. Get it done, move on, take a deep breath, try to win a championship. It's weird that they would both be in the same decision division, but I I think the same for the Nets. If, if the dude don't, like, you really want to go into free agency with two superstars that haven't accepted contract extensions? I just think it's too risky. So I'm not going to believe that it's, it's not going to happen until the buzzer sounds. Talking with undefeated senior NBA writer Mark J. Spears on ESPN Radio, and – Mark, the other Wolves bomb that happened today was that six-player trade between the Pacers and the Kings. What more can you tell us about Sacramento making that move and shipping out what happens to be one of their young stars for Domitas Sabonis, and where does that leave the Pacers in all of this? Yeah, I mean, look, Pacers are getting a rising star, a young superstar, like only 22 years old, talented kid who, you know, has all-star potential. The Kings are getting an all-star. Like, they haven't had one in a while. And you got to give up something to get something, right? And and so bonus to me is really, really good. Uh, oftentimes, I think fans get too enamored with, you know, 
going in just the beauty of a guard, right? Dude, man, it's a bonus. Like he ever he gives you like eighteen and twelve and five assists every night. And he's shooting like fifty eight percent from the field while only shooting twelve times a game. This is the best big guy they've had since Cousins. All star. This is the best other big guy they had since Weber. Like to me, this is a talent that could have his jersey retired in the arena. And uh, and their three best players were guards. I think they needed to, to switch it up. They needed some kind of change in Sacramento. So I actually like the deal for both teams. I know Sacramento fans were like, well, why does it have to be him or why not Fox? Like I don't know who Indiana valued more. Fox wasn't happy before. He's got to be happy with having a big and, and Sabonis joining forces with him and feel at least like the franchise is trying to do something major. Yeah. All right. Mark J. Spears, thanks so much for the time, buddy. We really appreciate the insight. I know it's a busy couple of days, so thanks for taking the time today. Keep an eye on Toronto, too. Ooh. Hmm. Just going to leave that mic drop right yeah, there for us, huh? Yeah, you're going to leave that there? <laughs> okay. We'll pick that up. See you, Mark. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to switch gears. Talking a lot about the NBA, trade deadline approaching, but uh, there's a game on Sunday, a pretty big game. The Super Bowl is on Sunday. The Rams have given up so much this season to put all their chips in the basket and winning a Super Bowl. But at what point is that pressure going to burst? We'll talk about it next. You're listening to ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio. It is Tuesday. Super Bowl is on Sunday. So how many sleeps is that until we get to Sunday? I can't quite do the math. Uh, Chris Canty, Shay Cornette here with you. ESPN Radio, ESPN App Series, XM Channel 80. Also, hello on ESPN+. Plus. If you want to join the conversation, feel free. 1-888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Okay, so uh, we got the Super Bowl on Sunday. Rams and Bengals. But the Rams definitely gave up more to get where they are today. Like, essentially, these two teams are constructed so differently, Canty. Like, it feels like the Bengals went and they built through the draft and they developed talent and they had different kinds of chemistry, whereas the Rams went and they – they took what they needed. They went and swapped out a quarterback and upgraded there at the at receiver and upgraded defensively and did all these things while mortgaging their future. And so considering what they did give up and what Sean McVay has kind of put on the line for this team to win right now, what is the sense of urgency for this Rams team to get it done this year, not next year? Because their window is kind of a two-year window, but to get it done this year. Well, here's what I will say, Shay. I mean, first of all, I think the Rams are going to have to extend this window with Matt Stafford because they gave up so much for him, but also because it's been highly successful. In his first season with the Rams, with Sean McVay, that marriage, you're talking about them you know, running the table in the playoffs and being in the Super Bowl. So I think it's wildly successful. It's exactly what Les Snead had in mind when he shipped Jared Goff and two first-round draft picks to Detroit. It just so happened that it was – uh, the circumstances, the situation dictated that they would have an opportunity to make it a run at Matt Stafford because the Detroit Lions wanted to give Matt Stafford the opportunity to have some control over where he would go. He keeps a home in Southern California, so it just made sense. It was an opportunity right. that the Rams couldn't pass up, and they were able to win for it. But given Matt Stafford's age, he's 33 years old, there's no reason to think that this marriage can't be extended beyond the 2022 season. I think this could be a situation – we're talking about after this year, Matt Stafford signing an extension to give some cap relief to the Los Angeles Rams first and foremost, but to also make sure that you send a clear message to prospective free agents around the National Football League 
that this is going to be a place that you want to sign up and come play. Players gravitate toward Southern California, toward L.A., the sunshine, the weather, all of those different entertainment elements there. It could be a situation where, based on the success that they've had this season, they could get free agents on the cheap as opposed to having to pay market rate for premier players. So I I don't know that this is a formula that can be replicated with a lot of other places, but based on the core of players that they have right now in place, I think that the Rams, they, they do need to have some urgency because you never know when you can get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But I do think they're going to have opportunities for more high-end success, especially given the landscape of the NFC. So if I'm looking at the way that these two teams got to this point and based on where these two teams are and the conferences that they play in, I would absolutely say that the Bengals need to have more urgency about their business, even though the Rams have a much older quarterback. So I'm going to just ask you this point blank, because this is kind of the narrative that's floating through ESPN radio and everywhere in our walls where we work there at ESPN. If they don't win this year, the Rams, is it a failure? Like point blank. If I asked you that right now, yes or no, is it a failure if they don't win this year? No, it's not a failure. No, this is a success. They're, they're making strides. Like, this is a team that's try, that's moving in the right direction with their program. Now, I get it. Sean McVay has coached in the Super Bowl before. They were there in 2018, and Jared Goff was a passenger. He wasn't a bus driver. Right. And Sean McVay realized he needed a quarterback that was capable of making those handful of throws throughout the course of a game that could be the difference between your team winning and your team losing. And we saw that on full display throughout the course of the playoffs. We saw that. The throw that he made to Cooper Cup at the end of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, that was a big-time play. Or how about the throw he made to Odell Beckham Jr. after the soft toss that was dropped by Kwaski Tart from the 49ers? That throw that he made to Odell, that was a big-time throw, a 30-yard completion, and that was one of two completions to Odell during that drive that ends up resulting in a game-tying score. So Matt Stafford has shown us in those critical moments in a game he can make those plays That was the big question about him coming over from Detroit because we haven't seen him have the postseason success that other quarterbacks with his physical gifts have had. Now, I think based on what we've seen throughout the course of this playoffs, people are willing to attribute that lack of success in Detroit to the dysfunction of the organization more so than an indictment on his ability. But I think that this is a situation now where you have to look at it as an overwhelming success, the fact that they were able to hit the ground running. And in year one, with McVay and Stafford, they're in the Super Bowl. Well, They'll I, have more opportunities to get back to this stage. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's not just McVay and Stafford. It's Stafford getting used to McVay and, and West Coast life. You're right, he has a house there. But also building chemistry with his receivers. Odell's new in the fold. He came midway through the season. Von Miller getting accustomed to that defense. Like, there's been a lot of new pieces added to that roster. But I'm I'm with you, Canty. Like, this notion that it's a complete failure if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, to me – is not accurate. Like, I think this is a two-year window at the bare minimum, and getting all the way to the Super Bowl, which you better than anyone know how difficult that is in, in its own right, I think this was a big year for Matt Stafford. Like, heading into these playoffs, the narrative was like, sorry, but is the quarterback going to be the reason they don't make it? Because he was constantly turning the ball over and throwing it to the other team, and it was resulting in points. He threw so many pick sixes leading up into the postseason. And so I was worried that the Rams wouldn't make it here, and I, I'm going to be quite honest, I, I thought they weren't going to, because I thought he was a liability, and he's turned it on, and he's proven that he can be a leader and be a reason why they do indeed get to the big game. And so for me to think that at, at Sean McVay at 35 years old, who's now been to two Super Bowls, albeit hasn't won one yet, in my opinion, he will. 
They will. Stafford will be around more than just this season. And so if they don't – look, as long as it's a close game, this is a win-win situation, I think, for both of these teams. But to say the window is so small and that it's a complete failure if they don't get it done in this season, given everything they've given up, I, I don't buy that, not even for a minute. And I love the angle you took with the AFC because the AFC is far more treacherous than the NFC, it seems like, for the long term, considering you have no idea where Aaron Rodgers is going to go. There's no more Tom Brady. And so, basically, where's the a- NFC going to go through? Dak Prescott in Dallas, which hasn't proven that they can be consistent whatsoever. You have no idea who's going to be there in Tampa Bay anymore. And so, you got no Drew Brees anymore. Like, there's a clear-cut path now for Matthew Stafford and the Rams to stay put atop not only their division but atop the NFC. All right, you talked about this possibly being a blueprint in what the Rams were able to do. Kind of, you know, plucking a quarterback, being a quarterback away from reaching back to the big game in the Super Bowl. Are other teams going to follow suit? We'll talk about that next after Candy's got this from Vivid Seats. With a safe return to live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. Every alley-oop slam, every one-timer, every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats Rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you got to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From the upper level to the courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Vivid, visit Vivid Seats. Try saying that five times fast. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life Happens Live. ESPN Radio, back after this. This is ESPN Radio. All right, we are less than a week away from Super Bowl 56. Rams and Bengals, it's going down in L.A. This is ESPN Radio. Chris Canty, Shea Cornette here hanging out with you. Shay, by my calculations, we're five sleeps away five. from the big game. Five you sleeps. Know, Throughout the break and like the whole last segment, you thought I would have maybe counted those. I didn't. So thank you for doing that for me. Well, I'm not I'm not great with math, Shay, but I, I figured since it could all fit on one hand, I'd be able to knock that out. I, I really appreciate yeah. that. Five sleeps away <laughs> from the Bengals and the Rams. And so, um, you know, we're, we're, we talk a lot about the Rams and all the pressure that they have and, or that they don't have, according to us, right, as they get set for this big game. But on the other side, it's the Bengals. And it feels like there's absolutely no pressure on that team. It feels like they're early, but yet they have arrived and they have have this identity of just nothing phases them. Like, let it roll off the shoulders of their quarterback, of their kicker, of their receivers, even their defense who feels like they get absolutely no love. But I know when you're in this situation, obviously, with the Super Bowl at hand, like, pressure's on both sides, right? But in terms of what this does for the Bengals going forward, win or lose this game, they are set up now in the AFC North as being a team that can compete year in and year out regardless of how much talent is in the AFC versus the NFC going forward. Would you agree with that, Candy? No, I completely agree. And to take it a step further, I think you're probably talking about this being the worst team from a talent-based standpoint that Joe Burrow is going to play on for a really long time because I think owner Mike Brown recognizes the opportunity that he has with his young franchise quarterback and being on a rookie contract is going to afford him the opportunity to be aggressive in free agency the next couple of cycles to be able to bring in the requisite pieces to further support his young quarterback. Now, I get it. They got a lot of young players in this core that they're going to have to take care of. They've already extended Joe Mixon, but you are going to have to deal with guys like T. Higgins. You're going to have to deal with Jamar Chase in a couple of years. You're going to have to give those guys hefty contract extensions. So that's going to be on the horizon. But in the short term, take full advantage of having a superstar quarterback on a rookie contract. I don't think there's a more valuable commodity, Shea, 
than a starting quarterback on a rookie deal in the National Football League. So when you have him at controllable rates, which you're talking about paying Joe Burrow versus market rate, which is what, $40, $45 million a year in average annual value? Isn't that where it really falls? Dak Prescott, $40 million a year. Josh Allen, $43 million a year. Pat Mahomes with all those escalators, $45 million a year. That's the territory that Joe Burrow is going to be in, especially if he wins this game this coming Sunday and he's a Super Bowl champion. He's probably going to have an opportunity to make a claim that he's one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the National Football League if he wins this game. That's how far the Cincinnati Bengals have come and Joe Burrow have come in a really short time. So we talked about perhaps a blueprint for the Rams, right, and the way they built a roster that went to the Super Bowl. But in terms of a blueprint in order to get to a Super Bowl, like this is what happened with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks too. Like he was on kind of that rookie contract, not making a ton of money that wasn't absorbing a lot of that salary cap and taking away from other players, hence why they could bolster that offensive line. Look, if you look at what the Bengals are doing, what's the number one thing they need to address in the offseason? We already know what it is. It's the old line. That's what they need to go fix first and foremost, which actually is to their benefit that they already know the things that they need to accomplish here. Shame. But can you think about that for a second? Think about how scary that is. You're talking about Joe Burrow being in that elite quarterback territory and having the worst offensive line in the National Football League. Right, right. The worst – like no quarterback got sacked more in the regular season than Joe Burrow. We saw him get sacked nine times in a playoff game a few weeks ago. Like that's that's, – think about how good this guy is, how special he is, and then the the position – that the Bengals were in. Now, Shay, I was one of those people at draft time last year that was saying that the Cincinnati Bengals need to draft Penny Sewell over yeah, Jamar too. Chase. I could not have been more wrong. Same. Jamar Chase was absolutely the right pick. You'll figure out the pieces on the offensive line because the chemistry that Joe Burrow established with him and the rest of that skill position core, it was worth it. And now you'll have the opportunity to add serviceable offensive linemen to better protect your franchise quarterback. And the thing with him is, is he doesn't even care. Like, I, I was getting angry for him, obviously, because he's coming off an injury as it is, an ACL injury. Like, in terms of taking those sacks, I'm like, man, he's going to get killed again out there. But he doesn't care. He's like, I don't mind getting hit as long as they're good sacks. Like, I'll take them. No big deal. It's not like he's frustrated with his offensive line to bring it back to Russell Wilson, which I don't mean to pile on at this point. But you saw the frustration, obviously, in Seattle. Still there, it seems like, in terms of his O-line not protecting him. This isn't an issue in the locker room at all for the Cincinnati Bengals. And you're right, it is a scary thought to think that this team is so good. Nobody had picked them to be in this position to go to the Super Bowl, especially given what their offensive line is, but it's not causing a problem. You're only going to upgrade at that position. And if you can keep those young guys and that young attitude and that you don't know what you don't know situation moving forward and build up of what they already have, man, this Bengals team is going to be dangerous moving forward and they're not going to be someone that overlooks. I do wonder about this though, Canty. Sometimes there's teams like the Bengals that, you know, they go out and they're kind of the hunted, they're not really the hunter, or vice versa. Like, everyone kind of overlooks them. You don't always get their best shot every time when you're facing off with them. That's not going to be the case next season with the Bengals. Again, nobody kind of saw this coming. So I do wonder if it's going to look a lot different next time around next season. Well, here's the thing I will say. It starts with being able to win your division. And right now, with the retirement of Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, the disaster that is the Cleveland Browns with Baker Mayfield, you're really talking about really only one other franchise that you're concerned with in your division, and that being the Baltimore Ravens, who have an MVP quarterback in his own right in Lamar Jackson. But, but Shea, at this point, based on what we've seen, I would have to give the edge to Joe Burrow. I, I really would. Now, I, I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson isn't a, a really, really good quarterback and you know borderline elite quarterback, but based on what we've seen from Joe Burrow, 
I just think that he gives you the opportunity to overcome a lot of the other deficiencies yeah. on the rest of your roster in comparison to what Lamar brings to the table. It's a very specific formula as to how the Baltimore Ravens have to win games in comparison to Joe Burrow's style, which gives you a myriad of different ways that you can compete. And we've seen that, whether it's the Cincinnati Bengals playing with the lead, the Cincinnati Bengals having to come from behind, twice against the team that was the number two seed in the AFC in a matter of the last six weeks and being on the winning side of those games. They can do it a lot of different ways, and Joe Burrow seems like he's the catalyst for all of it. Now, I think a very underrated part of this team that doesn't get their just due is their defense and what they've been able to do. Been a long time since the team scored north of 30 against this Bengals defense. You got to go back to the Week 17 matchup that they had against Kansas City. So you're talking about one team over the course of what? the last eight games, nine games, that scored north of 30. So that Bengals defense is sneaky good, and that's the part that's going to have to show up in a big way in this matchup in Super Bowl Sunday against the Rams. Yeah, but the Rams are waiting on the other side, and they've got a defense man that is licking their chops at at that porous O-line, right? Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey. And so how should the Rams use Jalen Ramsey in Super Bowl 56? We'll talk about it next. You're listening to ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio. Bengals are on their way to L.A. Getting set for the Super Bowl comes your way in five sleeps on Sunday. Rams and Bengals, Super Bowl 56. It's ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And hello on ESPN+. Plus. Shay Cornette, Chris Canty here rocking with you on a Tuesday afternoon, no matter where you are, really, truly. Um, so before we dive in a little bit to the Rams side of things and how they should utilize their defense against a very high-powered offense in the Bengals, let's go to the calls. Anthony's in Florida, and he's got something to say about Joe. Burrow. Anthony, good afternoon. Good evening. How are you? Hey. Hey, how are you guys doing? Thanks a lot, kids, for getting me on. Hey, you know, I go way back to 1969, and I know there's going to be a lot more players involved in winning this game other than the quarterbacks, uh, but I can't help but notice the similarities between Joe Burrow and Joe Namath. The confidence, the charisma, the swagger, and you know, it's not overconfidence, it's confidence. And, you know, in any sport, especially like you take golf, mm-hmm. you know, confidence is the key. And, you know, I just, there's just something about this kid, man, that just reminds me of Joe Namath. Like, and he's even better because his percentages are higher. Yeah, so, Anthony, thanks so much for the call. Canty, like, Joe Montana, Joe Namath, I've heard Tom Brady thrown around in terms of comparisons to Joe Burrow. Is there better company to be compared to at this point in your career? Not at all. And then you consider the fact that Joe Namath, Joe Montana, you're talking about guys that won national championships in college and won Super Bowls when they got to the National Football League. Joe Burrow has a chance to add his name on that list. So, I mean, when you compare – what Joe Burrow has done in a three-year span, a historically great LSU Tigers team that won a national championship, set records for the offensive side of the ball pretty much in every category, and now going to the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that had the number one pick two years ago, vaulting them to the Super Bowl in your first full season as the starter. Yeah, I don't know that there's a quarterback out there that's had a better three-year run from their last year of college through their second year in the National Football League. And you have to attribute that to the intangibles of Joe Burrow because, Shay, Joe Burrow doesn't have physical attributes that are going to wow you. It's not elite arm talent. It's it's good enough, but it's not elite. He can make all the throws, but I think his ability to anticipate, his ability to manipulate the pocket, and beyond that, his ability to be able to galvanize a locker room and make everybody around him believe in what they're capable of accomplishing – 
That is the key point of difference with him and a lot of other young quarterbacks around the National Football League that haven't necessarily had the postseason success because they don't have the requisite experience that it takes. This guy didn't have any experience, stepped right into the postseason, and looks completely at home, being able to win two road games in the playoffs so far, on his way to having to play a third one because, let's face it, Super Bowl 56 is going to be a road game for the Cincinnati Bengals in SoFi Stadium. But just his ability to be able to do that, especially in Arrowhead Stadium against the Kansas City Chiefs led by Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid, and that combination had only won, had only lost one home playoff game and that was the AFC Championship game and Pat Mahomes' first full season as a starter. And that was in overtime to Tom Brady. And that came down to the flip of a coin. So I just I look at this as him being able to elevate this team and get them to this point as the beginning of something special in terms of what his career is going to be, but also what the trajectory of the Cincinnati Bengals organization is going to be. I thought you said something interesting there, that you don't think he's got the premier arm talent that some other quarterbacks in this league have. No, no, it's not Josh Allen, it's not Pat Mahomes, it's not even close. Okay, interesting stuff. Let's go to the other side in terms of how they're going to slow down that Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, I could keep going dynamic Bengals offense and they're going to rely yeah a lot on their defense but also on a guy like Jalen Ramsey how do they utilize Jalen Ramsey defensively to slow down that offense well I think Jalen Ramsey is actually advocating he's lobbying to try to cover Jamar Chase one-on-one like opening night that's one of the things that came out of it is Jalen Ramsey talking to the media and saying yeah I want to shadow Jamar Chase he's their best player he's their best weapon put me on him let me shut him down the problem with that Shay is the L.A. Rams don't do a whole lot of man coverage. That, that's not what they major in. They're, they're more a zone coverage outfit, and I don't want to inundate people with the numbers or percentages, but in the postseason, they're 65% zone coverage, whereas the rest of the NFL, for context, is about 50-50. So they skew toward being a more zone coverage outfit. You're going to get a lot of cover three, a lot of cover four, some cover two, but again, that doesn't necessarily lend itself to lining Jalen Ramsey up over Jamar Chase and letting him shadow him all across the field. This ain't basketball where you can go boxing one. Like, it has to fit within a coverage scheme, and I don't know that they're going to have a whole lot of opportunities to lock Jalen Jamar Chase down with Jalen Ramsey because it throws everything off with the rest of your secondary, with the rest of your defensive scheme. So I think it's going to be more of the same from what we've seen from Raheem Morris with his coverages. The biggest thing for the L.A. Rams in terms of slowing down that passing attack for the Cincinnati Bengals is going to be the front four being able to generate pressure, especially without having to bring the blitz. Now, we don't anticipate that being a problem because, again, the Bengals' offensive line is one of the worst in all of football. All you got to do is look at the number of sacks they allow on Joe Burrow. But I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Can they get Joe Burrow on the ground? The assignment is simple for Aaron Donald, uh, Leonard Floyd, and Von Miller – It's being able to break down the pocket with a four-man rush. Now, we saw that the Kansas City Chiefs weren't able to do that, not to the level that the Tennessee Titans did in the divisional round. They only got to Joe Burrow once, and I think you have to attribute some of that to Joe Burrow's pocket awareness, being able to step up and out and away from pressure. I can't get the, the, the play out of my head with him shrugging off Chris Jones and scrambling for a first down. Yeah. Joe Burrow does have that ability. I have no doubt that that defensive line from the Rams are going to be able to get to him But when they do get to him, you got to get him down on the ground. And that's hits, that's sacks. You can't allow him to extend the down because if you do, he's going to hurt your guys on the back end, Jalen Ramsey included. Okay, so on the flip side of this, and 
Chris, I know we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show meeting, but like in terms of then how you combat that if you're a Bengals player, okay, we'll use the quarterback and Joe Burrow. Like, yeah, the pressure, the blitz, he knows he's going to get sacked. Like no one, including him, I'm sure, is going into this game thinking that he's going to be clean and in a pocket for the entirety of the Super Bowl. It's just not going to happen when you're going up against that, you know, um, that defense and what they can bring to you. And so what can Joe Burrow do to avoid seeing Aaron Donald in his face or standing over him multiple times in a quarter? Well, because they're going to be playing a lot of zone defenses, that means there's going to be a lot of holes in the underneath coverages. So those short to intermediate zones, being able to target those guys in between the number. Tyler Boyd, an incredible slot receiver, uncanny ability to be able to uncover, especially in zone concepts, going against those types of defenses. C.J. Uzuma, we saw him at the pet rally before the Bengals left Cincinnati in their stadium. He ripped off the knee brace and threw it out there saying that he's going to play. He's going to play. So so if – Exactly. It's kind of like that Daniel LaRusso was going to fight from the Karate Kid. I feel like that was, <laughs> that was C.J. Uzuma's moment. But that's the kind, of, the kind of weapons that Joe Burrow is going to have to use to exploit the concepts that Raheem Morris is going to throw at him. So it's going to have to involve that on early downs and distances, getting the ball out on time, but then also sprinkling a little bit of your third down concepts, your third down passing game on first and second down. And this is something that Tony Romo – my former quarterback alluded to when he was doing the color for the AFC championship game on early downs and distances. When you have more standardized defenses, when you don't have the exotic sub packages, try to sprinkle in your third down passing game to take advantage of some of the looks that the Rams might be presenting on those downs where they're preparing to stop the run with Joe Mixon. Think about using that as well so you can catch them by surprise, try to get some big plays, some explosives in your passing game. I think that's how you offset the pass rush that the L.A. Rams are bringing to the table. You mentioned C.J. Uzama pulling off the knee brace. Man, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my goodness. Although, when I had heard that it wasn't an ACL and it was an MCL, I figured this would be the case. But the tears strolling down the face usually means worse news than it ended up being better news for C.J. Uzama. But he's been really a key part of this Bengals run. He had um, two In two playoff wins, Uzama had 13 catches for 135 yards and a TD. I mean, he has been instrumental on the offensive side of the ball. So getting him back in the fold as yet another weapon for this offense is going to be a big deal, but I loved I loved the dramatics in front of a pep rally of ripping off the knee brace just to get everybody fired up. Like we've got one more in the fold. We're going to LA. So good on CJ Uzama for feeling healthy enough and playing in what will be the biggest game of his life here in Super Bowl Fifty Six on Sunday. All right, coming up, did the Trailblazers miss their opportunity to maximize Dame Lillard's trade value? We'll discuss that next. A lot of Woj Bob's being dropped. You're listening to ESPN Radio. It's Chris Canty and Jay Cornette on the other side. 